Welcome back to NLP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Miles Caparis, Neil Glatt, Luke Melangrano, and Brett Lemke. Uh, you guys probably heard this intro enough, so you know we just shortened it up. Um, become in. Um, just a little intro. If you're new to our podcast, our goal is to discuss topics that are important to you and the landscaping industry. So please reach out and share your topics, questions, uh, concerns, uh, so we can address them in future episodes. All right, so let's get started. Um, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Doing wonderful. How are you, Miles? I think so. Oh, I'm just. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you, Courtney, for writing that. Kind of just, uh, you know, it's good. Um, yeah, no, it's good. It's a little rainy here in DC, which is kind of nice. You know, sometimes it's nice to have the windows open during the rainfall. But some of us are getting ready for snow on this storm system. I, passing through. I know, I know. This is where I'm grateful to live in DC, where I have like an extended fall, versus like when I see my my friends out west or up north and like ice, snow. I'm like, oh man. I don't we miss ju- those days. We just we just locked our windows. We won't open them up for another seven months. So, that's, that's, so. but then there's then there's Warren in San Diego where I don't think they have windows on their homes, right? So it's always so beautiful. So yeah, Neil, do you mind introducing Warren? I'd love to. So Warren Askorowitz is the director of corporate social responsibility and a 26 year respected industry leader and water efficiency and sustainability professional. He sits on numerous industry association boards and is a speaker and expert on issues related to water and sustainability in the green industry. Warren provides global leadership and strategic direction in all areas of corporate social responsibility for Hunter Industries, including Hunter's Corporate Social Responsibility Report, Employee Volunteer and Community Development Programs, and Hunter's Charitable Giving Committee. He previously served as Ewing Irrigation and Landscape Supplies Vice President of Sustainability and maintained oversight of all sustainability initiatives and sustainable solutions product at Ewing. Warren is an Irrigation Association Certified Landscape Irrigation Auditor. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Ornamental Horticulture from California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo, California, and received an Executive Master of Sustainability Leadership from Arizona State University in Tempe, Arizona. He currently is a faculty associate at Arizona State University in the School of Sustainability. Did I get that all right, Warren? You did. It's amazing how you can make yourself sound really good when you come up with this stuff. But yeah, uh, no, you, I appreciate appreciate the the background for those of the for those of the listeners that don't have a clue who I am. Well, I'm I'm curious to get a clue about what you do because I think most of our listeners probably at their company don't have a director of corporate social responsibility in their company. So what does that mean? Like what, what is, what is the goal of a corporate social responsibility? Sure. Well, first I have to, you guys were talking about the weather earlier and I just have to mention that it will actually be, cause I'm in inland North County, San Diego. So I'm not, everybody thinks San Diego is all about beach. I mean, yes, it's about half an hour away, but in theory on Saturday or Sunday, it's supposed to be 90 degrees here, which makes, I can't even fathom that. I was kind of ready for the fall weather. We've had some fall weather. Um, Anyhow, so Director of Corporate Social Responsibility, what the heck does that mean? Well, you know, a lot of people talk about sustainability, corporate social responsibility. You hear people talk about corporate citizenship, ESG. We have all these, I think all industries, but including my 
professional industry has lots of acronyms, three letter acronyms, ESG, by the way, anybody know what it means? ESG? Environmental sustainability growth. I don't know. Close. Close. You got the first one, right? (laughs) That's not so bad. You did pretty good, Miles. Uh, So it's environmental social governance. Uh, There we go. Talk about corporate responsibility and corporate social responsibility and and then there's sustainability too. And in a lot of cases, they're all used interchangeably, but in, in the way we look at it and the way I look at it, they are in some ways different too. And so sustainability really pertains to the environmental aspect. Um, you hear a lot of talk about sustainable development, you know, meeting, our t- meeting today's needs uh, without impacting the future generations kind of, which is a lot we talk about. And so we look at CSR, as sustainability is a part of CSR, but corporate social responsibility includes other issues like employee health and safety, training, how you do business with integrity, community engagement amongst other topics. And really it's about being stewards of the environment and how we impact our employees and communities in a positive manner and making sure that we operate responsibly as a company um, to achieve a a favorable economic return which benefits our stakeholders. And so that's where you also hear the three P's. Anybody? Three P's? Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last week with uh, Zeke on our podcast. Name so them. So what are they? Oh, pro- <laughs> it's uh, profit, people, and planet. Correct. Yeah. And, and so that's really what we try to do as a company is demonstrate those three P's. And uh, by the way, I'm impressed that you've had several guests talking about sustainability. I've been kind of looking at and listening to some of your episodes. And so I think... I think that this this concept is not something that is going away by any means. Um, and honestly, and I think we'll probably get maybe further into it later, but it's really the core of what we do as an industry. And that's the thing that gets me all geeked out and excited about. And that's what's gotten me excited about as my career has pivoted from just focusing on water conservation to now kind of the whole idea of sustainability and corporate social responsibility. And how it's it's in it's really in the it's ingrained with what we do every day, with what you're doing every day. All the companies in our industry are doing every day. We just don't talk about it that way, and that's the thing that, and you know, that uh, is is a great opportunity too. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right that every business is wrestling with these issues to some degree, right? And um, certainly, we're seeing suppliers like yourself lead the charge with a lot of new tools to help us get better at achieving that growth. So maybe we don't have the three letter acronyms as part of, you know, our conversation on a regular basis as landscapers, but the concepts make sense. And, and I think to an extent, the market is demanding us or forcing us to in a variety of ways. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think that, you know, that your customers are, I mean, the internet's a good and a bad thing. <laughs> it's it made, it's made a lot of people smart about a lot of things maybe they didn't know anything about. Um, But, you know, this being able to learn more about, you know, and get more information about these various topics, including what we're talking about today. I think the consumer is just looking to do business, uh, especially, I mean, on the retail side, yes, for sure. And I think even in our industry as well. I mean, if you think about it, what do we do every day? We work outdoors, we work on the environment, we create these amazing spaces that allow our customers to be able to be outside and, and connect with the environment. 
and we, you know, and we do that and that can be tied to what happens during the day um, or it can be tied to enjoying things at night with landscape lighting um, and, and, or maybe we're helping our customers learn how to grow their own food or, you know, maybe we're maintaining a, a sports complex. So we're allowing people outdoors to play. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that is really tied to sustainability and that, and that's why what we do is so important. And I think one other thing you're going to, you will continue to hear more people talk about is this whole idea of, and I don't know if it's, if you guys talked about this on previous podcasts, but this whole idea of ecosystem service benefits, it's a mouthful, but what values do the spaces that we create and maintain every day? What are what values do they provide us? There's a financial value to it. There's an, you know, there's an environmental value. There's a health and well-being value to these spaces. And so more and more that those kind of values are actually being measured. And I think at some point, you know, you're going to see more um, companies, more organizations look to that and the importance of that. And so once again, it's all great. It's, it is really all good news for our industry. It's just kind of adapting to some of the changes. And I think that's where some of the challenges come into play with, with how we deal with this as an industry is recognizing that we have to make sure that we minimize the impact that we have on the environment. And if you think about it as a manufacturer, which is what we do at Hunter, we make a lot of products that are contain plastics and plastics are made from anyone oil oil yeah petroleum oil and so and and we are reliant on that and uh it is a uh it is definitely something we have to look at you know long term um is, is are we going to stop making products from plastics tomorrow i don't think so but at some point there maybe will maybe a better option somewhere down the line probably past when i'm retired and long gone i don't know or maybe it'll be sooner or we don't we don't know but we have to be cognizant of that and so how do we how do we as a manufacturer you know be take responsibility for the impacts that we have and so we look at it from, you know, the materials that our products are made out of. And we, we, we're talking a lot now about like what happens to the products when they reach their end of life, which maybe we don't think about usually, but, you know, generally when you're out on a landscape and you're, you are renovating a landscape and you're ripping out all, all that old irrigation equipment, because the good thing about irrigation equipment, good and bad, most of it's underground, right? And most of it's there for, how many years? 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I don't know. So it, it does last a long time, which is a great thing, but at some point the system needs to get renovated and rehabbed and replaced. And you know, what do you do with that afterwards? You can't hear any of that noise. That's good. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> oh no, we hear the landscaping going on during <laughs> the landscape <laughs> podcast. So it, there's some irony in this it? conversation, okay. but yeah, right. it's cool. It's, it's good right, background. Good. Um, Maybe I should ask my landscape maintenance contractor to use electric equipment instead. It'd be a little quieter. Um, I mean, if there's anybody who should, I'm going to point to you, right? I, I, yeah, right. I, I know. I mean, you know what? I. It's funny. Um, in uh, in my in my previous life, my previous employment, um, I would go to meetings and even some of our executive meetings, and they would go and like pass out you know, reams of paper at the meeting. And the first thing that somebody would say was, oh, Warren's not going to like that. You know, we're <laughs> passing out all this paper. Um, there's this there's this great commercial um, 
that I should send to all of you that I've used in some of my presentations I found. And of course, it's not from the US, it's from another country, because they're a little bit more, a little bit more daring than we are with their commercials. And it's this whole idea of like, um, you know, the toilet paper. And so the guy's, you know, talking to his wife, and it's not, it doesn't start with the whole idea of toilet paper, but it starts with the idea that instead of paper, he's got his iPad. And so he's showing the iPad, you know, reading all this other stuff. And then he goes to the bathroom. I'm sorry, I gave the punchline away at the beginning. He goes to the bathroom and there's no toilet, roll of toilet paper there. And his wife slips an iPad under the door with a picture of a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> and so, I mean, paper's not going away by any means, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to be using, um, we're, we're, so I talk about all that because I'm not the one that, you know, is like professing. Yes, I hug trees occasionally, but there's more to sustainability and CSR than just that. Mm. And I, so I think that's, thing. that's the most important thing to understand, right? Like so many people will be put off by the term sustainability um, because we have this connotation of you can't ever use paper again if you're serious about this, right? And that's just not the reality of what the triple bottom line is all about. Yeah, and I think you just have to make smart choices and you just have to, I mean, Part of, and this is part of what what uh, what I teach at ASU and the strategic sustainability class that I teach is we we talk a lot about looking at things through the lens of sustainability and realizing you know what kind of changes can you make and how can you take sustainability and use it as a way to solve wicked challenges and become a solution. So it's not all about what am I giving up? You know, it's the same thing. If you same thing we talk about a lot when you talk about conservation i remember back earlier in my career when water conservation was becoming the buzzword term and there was a lot of discussion about do we talk about conservation do we talk about water efficiency you know because when you say conservation you're usually in your mind you think what am i giving up you know but how do you know so how can we reframe the discussion a little bit and and make it so it, it actually doesn't mean that you're giving something up. It just means that you're trying to be more responsible about how you use the resources that we, the limited resources that we have. As you can tell, I get excited about this. I get on my soapbox and just kind of go off on tangents. So, well, so translate that to, you know, I, I think a lot of the member companies within NALP or just out there in the industry. I mean, how would your role be best fit there? I mean, how, how does someone consider that? I mean, does it require large corporation support or can small companies or is that task just delivered to a lot of people? I, I'm intrigued that, you know, one hunter put the effort and the, uh, and put you in that role or have had that kind of piece and how you lead through that. But then I also wonder, well, how does someone that's listening say, well, I think I'm ready for that role and that responsibility to be to one person? Yeah, that's a great question, Brett. And, you know, I think it's applicable for any organization, large or small. And in some cases, I actually think it could be easier for smaller organizations because part of what, 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 you know, my, one of my goals is basically to try to embed every, embed corporate social responsibility and sustainability in what, everything that we do. And so in a sense, it doesn't just become this extra step. And so if you look at it from a smaller organization standpoint, it's easier to start small and kind of, um, you know, to talk about like, what's important to us as an organization? Okay, so how do we, do we take care of our employees? Yes, that's something that's important to us. How do we take care of our employees? Um, you know, do we, do we support the communities that we, that we work in and that we live in? Yeah, we do. Well, so how do we do that? And, 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 and then how do we make sure that, you know, we're also being profitable? So, I mean, you know, it's, I think where the, sh where the, the shift is coming 
is that new employees coming into any business are looking for companies that have a purpose. And so in, in some cases, yes, one of our purposes as an organization and a business is to make money, right? We have to be profitable because that's what keeps our business sustainable. That's what allows our business to continue to grow. That's what provides career opportunities for, um, for our employees. That is really annoying me. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, like, couldn't have started on the other side of the house first. And anyway. Um, <laughs> You've got a really three. big yard right now for them to be keep blowing for this long, right? This no, that's, really... a, that's the hedge trimmer, it sounds like. Oh, that's pruning day nonetheless. That's even more exciting. Yeah, that's what yeah. it sounds like um, to me. But anyway. Um, but so when we talk about purpose... Employees want to know, especially your generation and the generations to come, because I'm old now, they want to know, like, what, what are you doing? What's your purpose beyond just making money as a business? And so I think that gives any business the opportunity to create a position, to, to create a focus around corporate social responsibility. And, you know, one of our goals as an organization, one of our CSR goals, and by the way, We've been publishing as a company since 2012, a corporate social responsibility report, CSR report, probably one of the first irrigation, well, the first irrigation manufacturer that I'm aware of to do that in the industry. And one of the first companies to publish a CSR report in our industry that I'm aware of. Now, keep in mind, I've, I've only been there uh, for about 15 months, but just based on my 26 years in the industry, has anybody had a chance to take a look at that report? Have you seen that report? I really encourage you to, to go take a look at it because it really gives us an opportunity to be transparent about what we're doing. And we set goals, the organization sets goals. And one of our goals actually, and these are goals that were set before I arrived, but one of our goals is to create a CSR toolkit for our customers, which really goes to what you were just talking about, which is like, how can we as an organization take what we've learned on this journey? And by the way, if anybody tells you that sustainability and corporate social responsibility, like you're going to get to this point and then you're done. No, it's not going to happen. It's a journey. It's like training to run a marathon. You have to do small things a little bit at a time and you get better and you, you get through this process, but it's not this thing that just, you're, we're not going to, we don't create this big long list of things that we check off and say, we're okay. Now we're sustainable. Now we're done. Let's move on to something else. And so I think us being able to hopefully develop a kit or a way to be able to provide our customers and people in the industry, a way to create their own CSR efforts for their own organization and learn from what we've learned from over the years will be beneficial. So that is one of our goals and something that, uh, that I'll be working on here in the next, over the next year or two. I think that's, that's a great initiative. And I'm curious about your own journey in sustainability, right? You went to Cal Poly for ornamental horticulture and then ended up pivoting into sustainability, uh, you know, mainstream as uh, somewhere down the line. What was that shift like, and how did that awareness come in? Because I think it, it probably some people probably resonate with that as they're on their own sustainability journey. How much time do we have for this answer to this question? No. Um, <laughs> I, if if I go back to like my my childhood, and I'm not going to like give you the whole story, but I grew up in Los Angeles. And my next door neighbor, I had neighbors on both sides, one neighbor on one side, my, she was my godmother and she grew these amazing roses 
And I always used to, you know, that's what got me interested in horticulture was going out on the weekends and watching her. The next neighbor on the other side, picture this is Los Angeles. He took his parkway area, which normally is turf grass. And he and his wife are from Missouri or Missouri, as they would say. And he took out the grass and he started growing vegetables. And so I would follow him around. And literally, I mean, he grew the most amazing um, zucchini, carrots, squash, tomatoes, pineapple. Yes, you can grow pineapple in Los Angeles. Um, and so that got me kind of interested in this whole idea of growing. And of course, I actually started working and getting my hands dirty and actually created my own little garden. Um, how did I make the shift from, you know, horticulture or well, actually irrigation to sustainability? Because my, my undergraduate degree is in horticulture. And I don't think we were talking about sustainability back in the dark ages. <laughs> um, but I, you know, for me, it was literally just hearing more people talk about it and recognizing that this is like going to be the next, this is, this is going to be the next, I think, trend. Um, it's not a fad. It's really going to be the next trend for our industry as a whole. And so that, and that literally for me started 15 years ago, you know, and it, and it wasn't my job at the time. It wasn't my responsibility. It wasn't my focus. I, you know, there was a, a friend of mine that a coworker that I used to work with where she was really interested in this too. And so we would brainstorm ideas and we talk about, wow, wouldn't it be cool someday if I could spend all my time working on sustainability and it just kind of worked its way up through there. And, and it, and it, worked its way up to the point where I went to a conference in Phoenix that I participate in every year called Green Biz. And it's really a sustainability conference. And that's where I learned about this master's degree, this executive degree, the master's degree that I got. And so I went back to school after 25, 24 years, which, you know, is not an easy thing to do, but because of online, you can do that while you're working. And so that's really kind of what led me to that. And was interesting in grad school, um, the dean of the school said, and it's this cliche thing you hear about, you want to go, we were going to, you're going to finish this program and you're going to want to go out and change the world. And so that's what inspires me every day is to go out and try to make a difference and try to educate people and try to help, you know, whether it's internally with our own organization, our employees understand it and, and teach them about it and give them things they can do in their own personal lives. And then look at how we as an organization can, can, you know, take, and take, continue to take a leadership role in our industry to make sure that we're creating products. Like I talked about earlier, and I never finished my th thought on this whole end of life thing. So it's stuff gets thrown away. Well, where is away? Like when you throw something away, where does it go? And so how do we look at what other industries are doing now and taking responsibility for the, for the products that are being manufactured and this whole idea of the circular economy and can we make something else out of what gets thrown away? I mean, we, we piloted a program uh, years ago trying to take back sprinklers to recycle them. And uh, at the time, it just wasn't feasible. It just didn't work really well. It was really expensive and it was really difficult, but that's another, another program we're going to continue to look at and see if we can, you know, come up with a better solution. So that way that stuff doesn't get thrown in the trash. Cause if it gets thrown in the trash, it's just going to sit there forever. Um, so, so Warren, uh, so we talk about that, right. And like, when we talk about, um, you know, uh, this whole trend of like, you're identifying like 15 years ago, you think that, you know, that sustainability is going to be a trend in the industry, which is, you're probably still on the leading edge of that. Even 15 years later, like you're a super bleeding edge, like, then right and like even now it's probably you're probably just pushing it into the norm right so like when you talk about like actionable things like recycling irrigation heads at the end of the life cycle i mean in my experience like we talk about mulch bags i think and 
a podcast before, right? It's so hard for a landscaping organization to be sustainable when the suppliers aren't driving that change because they don't have any other options. So I guess my question is like from just like talk about like high level, even actionable steps. How does someone like, do you see this, do you see this change being driven by suppliers and industry or how does a landscaping company actually drive that change to, you know, like, is it a chicken or the egg? You know, how does that, how do, how do you see that? A great question. I, I think, and I, and I saw this with the whole in the advent of some of the smart irrigation technology if I put my distributor hat back on back in the day. <clears throat> so I'll talk about this from that perspective, not from a manufacturer perspective today. But when smart irrigation controllers first came on the market, I remember, you know, listening to and talking with our customers, landscape contractors who are like, I don't want to use that. It doesn't work. But yet the consumer was kind of telling them their customer was saying, Hey, I, I need to save water and water is going to be more expensive. I got to, and so to, to the point, I think the opportunity, I mean, I think it's a responsibility we as manufacturers and suppliers have to provide those solutions and come up with those solutions. And that's something that I'm trying really hard to challenge our industry. We, you know, I was president, as you mentioned, of the Irrigation Association in 2018. And one of the only goal I had when I was president was to create, well, not the only goal, but was to create a common interest group around sustainability. And so the IA now has a sustainability common interest group and we're trying to pull other manufacturers. Um, we have landscape architects, we've got public agencies, we've got other distrib- we got distributors um, working together to kind of come up with some of these challenges. And so while it's so easy for each organization to address them on their own together, if we do that collectively, I think we can come up with better solutions. And so to answer your question, I think is as a customer, if you're if you're demanding that of your suppliers, like, hey, we need help dealing with this. I think that's going to drive a lot of the change, and and it's it's starting to happen. If you look at in the agriculture industry, there's a couple of irrigation manufacturers today that are actually recycling drip tubing, and have created a pretty impressive system and, and infrastructure in place to do that. And so, um, but you're right, it is hard. Otherwise, it's hard. And the other thing that's hard, like and and you know, we have an irrigation controller recycling program that we've been work doing for several years. And, and think about it, you're used to throwing the stuff in the trash. Now you got to bring it back someplace, which is an extra step. And mm-hmm. so, you know, how do we make that so it's easier? And what, and how do we, you know, do you feel like as a, as a business owner, or, uh, you know, in being in business, do you have to be incentivized to do that? Or are you doing it because it's the right thing to do? I mean, those are the challenges and things that we as manufacturers have to think about as well. It's like, what, how do we get our customers to change their habits too? And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a long road. I mean, you know, it's not an overnight deal. Luke and Brett, you, you both are out there contracting right now. Right. And, I know you've both engaged in in a variety of sustainable efforts. I'm curious to know how much pressure the end user is putting on you versus um, an initiative on your own for anything sustainability. Uh, you know, we have some we have some clientele who are who are asking us to go this route. Whether it's utilizing, you know, kind of like Warren said, uh, these smart irrigation controllers um, or even the robotic lawnmowers, things like that. But it's something we push. 
very heavily ourselves. It's it's a goal we have as a company. I mean, if you were to go to our website, we have an entire page dedicated just to our sustainability efforts at Mariani. Um, and it's not just things we're doing out in the field. It's the way we construct our new office spaces, you know, how we're utilizing biodiesel in our trucks or have automatic shutoffs and stuff to reduce emissions. So it's something we as a, as a company have a goal as well to do. And, and you know, we don't have a person piloting that program. Um, that's something we, we have a committee, uh, you know, I think, uh, some of our listeners who are in smaller companies, for example, uh, you know, they might look at it and say, oh, wow, you know, hiring somebody who's just going to focus on sustainability for our organization, uh, that's a big overhead salary right there and, and such. You don't need to do that. Get a group of, of people within your team together and and meet and discuss different different practices, different uh, ways you can be more sustainable as a company and call it a sustainability committee and you know, that's, that's an easy way to get started. And as you grow or as that, that responsibility and that focus changes, then, then you can look at doing something where maybe you have a dedicated person to it. But for most of the companies, I think that are, you know, that are with NALP and such, it's, that's a good way to get started with it. Great suggestion. I think you're right. Cause it, it, it's hard to justify having somebody spend, you know, their full-time job doing that. And, and I think the great thing about having a committee is that you get other people to help drive it because it's not and, and i think that's one of the misnomers is that is that it's not uh sorry <laughs> it's not just one person i feel like i have to yell right now it's not one person's responsibility and that and that is one of the things that i one of the challenges that i ran into early in my career in the sustainability area and and, and CSRA is that everybody's like, okay, that's Warren's job. He's going to take care of it. Warren does that. That's his job. And I'm like, no, it's everybody's responsibility. And so if you can, I think you bring up a great point. If you can start, uh, start small and simple and get a few employees together to help, you know, talk about what we, you as a, what we as a business can do to make some of those small changes and just start small. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that on day one, you know, you're going to stop using pesticides and only use organic fertilizer and not use any more paper and only drive electric and hybrid vehicles and only use, you know, robot or electric lawnmowers. I mean, it's, it's, it's an evolution. I, uh, I mean, this conversation, I, I liked how you've bridged the, the gap or between that and then, you know, people's health, uh, the integrities of the company in those pieces, because uh, there becomes a much more expanded role and an opportunity, uh, you know, through strategic planning and just sort of people holding that torch and carrying it through. I mean, Neil, I think your question to us, I, I take on that responsibility more than I think the demand of the client is there. I mean, the, the client is offering us some opportunities that are unique. Like one client is saying, we would like you to figure out alternatives to glyphosate. So we're trying out a steam unit, right? Nothing that would have maybe come to our head, but they're, so they're moving that along, but we're running with that. And um, and taking those opportunities, but then to be able to expand and, uh, it beyond the point of um, just sustainability, but the health of your company, the health of your people, uh, that corporate responsibility. I, I enjoy thinking about that through this conversation and, and how that could easily expand because it, 
I, I, we, we don't have an HR person. And I, by all means, there's a tons of these things that might fall in that lane. There's compliance, then there's recruiting. Um, but if I get down to it, right. I mean, we talk, we could break down like the people and development should be under the management roles and there's a recruiting need. And so I don't have to, you know, maybe the HR role isn't the role, but these, this level of responsibility that we, we put to ourselves, how does someone lead that piece of strategic planning and initiatives behind that? Like that takes tremendous work. So I like, uh, I like that, that perspective. And, uh, and of course we'll get to a point where you need all of that, right. And all those roles need a place to be there. Yeah. I, you put something back interesting to play with the HR and, and Warren, you talked about younger generations and future generations really caring about this mission and purpose. And I just read a study recently that said, if you put a job out, out, um, and you want to get better and more response, you can increase the pay rate and you'll get better candidates and more response, obviously. But if you don't change the pay rate and you just advertise the corporate social responsibility mission of your company, you'll see the same response in quality and quantity of candidates responding as if you had upped the pay rate 30%. So like, that's how valuable it is. You, you can have a 30% bump in payroll or you can get the same bump just by advertising. I think what is really important to most companies, but most companies haven't articulated or published the way that they should be to everybody, right? Maybe it's on a website, but is it part of normal conversations? Cause I think that's what moves the needle for employees. And when you talk about HR, it's like, maybe it's not HR, but man, it really needs to be part of that HR conversation. I, I think that there's to like make it actionable for people because like, this is like a pretty high level discussion that like we're talking about like big ideas and, and to like make it granular, you know, I was on, uh, Luke and I were co-hosting the Zoom with Champions, and we were talking about um, grow, how like how to grow young professionals in an organization. And one of the topics that came up from one of the participants, um, the bot, uh, the owner of the company, actually distribute like took the young professionals in the organization, said, "Hey, here's a piece and own it." And then in the beginning of the year, during like the whole kickoff for the spring season, those those young professionals in the organization like had to have a presentation to the entire company about their initiative, whatever it was. Right. So like one person owned safety, like I think safety was the focus on this. Right. But like as a young professional, if you're not in a position of power in your company, this is something, this is an easy win, right. To go up to like a boss and say like, Hey, I want to take this on. And then I, at least that's the way I'm thinking about it. And maybe I'm, this is like more pie in the sky, but no, I think you're um, right. It's up, it's up yeah. for grabs, right? Nobody. It totally is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like if it's up for grabs, then you can, you can research. It just has to be well researched and well thought out. I think that's the trick because it's so easy to throw together three slides and say, okay, this is our sustainability plan. And uh, here it is. And then everyone's like, okay. And then no one cares, right? We know how that goes. So it's just like being a champion for something that, probably is not on the top of the mind of like a general manager or like a mid-level manager. Cause they're just worried about getting stuff done. But yeah. this, yeah, this might be an easy one. And, and I would say start that with a three year or five year, you know, plan and goals that everybody, you know, and the owner agree to as what a true outcome might look like and then drive to that over time. Um, and, you have, and you have to recognize that that plan's going to change too. It's not, 
always going to be, I mean, you know, it doesn't just, it's not so linear and you shouldn't think about it so linear, but to your point, Miles, just even though just putting some ideas down and just like coming up with a somewhat of a strategy is a great starting point. And, and it's, and it's not, you know, it doesn't need, you don't need to, you don't need to make it complicated to start. You can keep it very simple and small little actionable things. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at, I'm looking at your CSR report right now. Right. Um, so if, if everyone Googles the 29 Hunter CSR report, it'll come up as the first link and they have like a whole website and then they have a PDF file, but like I could just see like there's someone like a, a company and just like rip, like just like literally borrow from this, like the same format, but your goals might be different. Right. Like I just like here, it's super simple, right? They have goals for water, reducing total water consumption by 30% by 2030, training satisfaction, increased training satisfaction to 80% by 2025, health and safety, uh, waste, achieve zero net waste at all facilities at 2030. Those are like one, two, three, four, and then there's what, five, six, two more goals. So there's six goals total. Not everyone needs six goals, but I mean, that's pretty clear to me. Um, and that's, that's, I feel like that's pretty easy and say, okay, for our company, this is relevant. And this, for our company, this is relevant. Well, and that's that point of, you know, this is what is important to us. So our clients aren't necessarily driving that, but man, this is going to have tremendous value to that client. So it's a marketable piece. It's a, it's a, it's a recruiting piece. And, and then it's who we are. And, and you, I, I recognize and respect that you have to believe that, right? Don't use it to market. Don't use it to recruit. But, um, but believe that, be that, and that will be the authenticity you need for something like this. But um, when, we, when you say those statements and those bold things, it really does describe who you are and what you're trying to be. And I, I like that perspective. This is super cool too, because Hunter is actually keeping themselves accountable to the public, which is interesting because you can just click see progress and then you can see like literally like for their water usage at each of their plants, um, multi-region like, okay, this plant in 2017 used this much. And then this plant now in like 2019 uses this much. So like, that's a super interesting take. And it's not, yeah. we don't always have to report. I mean, we, we, we're being transparent. And so it's not all good news. There are times when our water use goes up or our energy use goes up. And so we have to be, you know, we, that's how we hold ourselves accountable too. And so it's, it, um, yeah, I mean, and it, and it, I think um, I was going to say something to what you were talking about, Brett, too, as well. Um, oh, you know, I look at this as a way to differentiate yourself from other organizations that you compete with on a, on a daily basis. At some point, maybe everybody in the industry will be talking about this, and that'd be great for our industry. But, you know, at least for the short term or the medium term, I, you know, it's, there's still plenty of opportunities on how you stand out against what your competition does. Uh, and, um, you know, yeah, the report is a good way for us to just kind of summarize and kind of share with what we're doing. It's also, it helps guides us. And by the way, some of these goals are really lofty, big goals. And that's what is something that is important as you get further along in this process is to create those stretch goals. And so to become a zero waste company by 2030, by the way, <laughs> it scares the living daylights out of me sometimes when I think about it, cause it's, you we're, it, yeah, it's a man, we're a manufacturer. I mean, zero waste doesn't, by the way, zero waste, we could have a whole podcast about what that means. It doesn't mean zero waste, you know? I mean, it's up to, I think the, I think the percentage is like in the mid nineties, but still it's, but it, but it's, it's a great way to challenge, you know, um, and keep, and keep you improving and keep you getting better. And that's, 
that's why I think that's why it's important. Warren, you have, you're trying to move the needle for a company with thousands of employees and move the needle for thousands of customers, right? Um, how does that task compare to what you think an average contractor would go through or their experience? I mean, you're, you're eight years in, like you said, or your company's eight years into this um, initiative of publishing this report. And so your goals are huge at this point, but um, what do you say to somebody who's nervous about getting started and the degree of difficulty required for your average contractor listening to this podcast? Well, I think again, as we've been talking about, start small, you know, create, you know, Miles had some great suggestions as far as just find the things that are important to you and your business and your employees and create some goals around those and then come up with a plan on how you're going to get there. Um, and with a short-term plan and also you know, maybe you create some long-term goals as well. Um, and it, but it doesn't have to be, you don't have to make it so unreachable and so complicated and difficult that you're like, Oh my God, we're never going to get here. So why even bother doing this in the first place? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you just have to, but I think you have to start somewhere. And I guess that's the, that's the challenge I, I put in front of everybody that's listening is, is that, you know, if it's, if it's important to you, then, then, you know, start someplace and put some thoughts down on how you're going to, you know, what, what topics, what areas are important to you and how you're going to get there. And then, then the job is to get other people on board with it as with as well. I used to say that my job was to basically get it embedded in the organization. So at some point you don't even need a director of CSR, VP of sustainability, whatever you want to call the title. It just becomes part of everybody's job. And I think in the beginning, it's going to seem like, oh yeah, I got to do this extra step. And so that's the challenge um, is making people understand that it isn't an extra step and it'll actually benefit everybody's job and what they're doing. Um, you know, it's, it's well, just- I'll, I'd add the perspective. I think that this, this conversation is probably could be essentially one of the most important parts of calling ourselves a landscape professional. Um, and, and you could call yourself that if you're one employee or, or many employees, uh, but to understand, to take this responsibility as that differentiator, right? So it's not about, do you have the latest and greatest equipment mowers or what your website looks like? It's that you're having these conversations that you're putting into an actionable step. And again, it, it could be the spectrum of sustainability. It could be the spectrum of, of employee health and or an organization and, or uh, community engagement, it, it, but it's all those things and just taking those steps forward. So really nice looking trucks, you know, yeah, we got to talk about how important your branding is, but if you're having these conversations and if it's just you, uh, it's, it's, again, it's not about scale, but it's just about the content of it. Then, then you could start calling yourself a landscape professional because I agree. I, I'll put this in our place and we talk a lot about this, but I know in my market, we have, uh, companies out there that are just about getting the work done and, 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 by no means are we've perfected this either, but it is to say that like, think bigger about the business. I, years ago, uh, we were, I was in a trade uh, association meeting, local one, and everybody around the table says, I'll never let my children uh, become in this industry, right? And I was the only one, because I was a kid in the industry, the only one that stood up and said like, hell no, this is fantastic. But they just weren't seeing the opportunities in the business of it. And so we certainly have, 
parts of our industry that are not formalizing, you know, becoming strategic about how to grow and think differently. But, and so recruit well, or if you find yourself in these kind of companies, it's because this is what's going to take to move you into a different level of it. And how many of your friends that you, you know, whether you went to school with, high school with, or college or whatever, get to do what we all get to do every day. And that's, you know, I mean, I, Sure. If you want to go out and make millions and millions of dollars, yeah, maybe you should go be a doctor or an attorney or whatever, or, or you could be a landscape contractor as well too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I say I know, uh, I know a couple. I'm hanging on to can't. that fact yeah. a little bit. So. No, I understand, but I mean, but at the end of the day, like the things that we get to do every day, and the the the, the environment that we get to work in outdoors, and the places we get to create is pretty incredible, and it's hard to compare that. To, and and I know, I mean, and that's why I think that people that work in our industry just have this innate passion about it. And that to me is different. I don't see that in a lot of other industries. Maybe I'm just totally have my blinders on because I've been in this no, industry for 26 we've, years. We've talked about that. Yep. But it's, it's, it's just, it's just different. And that, and that's, that's what, you know, that's what inspires me and gets me excited. You know, even after 26 years in this industry is that, there's a lot of new people coming into the industry that have that same kind of passion. And so I think the other thing I would say too is, is that most organizations are doing things that are involving sustainability. They're just not talking about it that way. And so I think if you look at it from that pers- from the perspective that here's the things that we are doing, being mindful that you can't greenwash and just use it as a marketing ploy and there's no truth behind it or, you know, that's not accurate. But I think that's, that's another opportunity for us as an industry is to recognize that we we do a lot of these things already. We're just not talking about it that way. And, yeah. and my thing is, let us define that for our industry now while we can before somebody else does for us. And that's what's starting to happen in, a, in other spaces. If you look at the codes and standards that are coming into our industry from a water standpoint, a lot of them are being created by people that don't have that background or don't work in spe- the specific part of irrigation in our industry. And it's, it's going to have a, a very significant effect on how we do our job going forward. I think you you made a really good point there, Warren, that a lot of what we do already it, within most of the companies, you know, and especially companies who are you know, landscape professionals, we do a lot of stuff that is already sustainable. It's just, you know, sitting down, identifying it and figuring out how we can make that even better and, you know, take it to the next level and take it to the next step to improve our sustainability and, and make sure it's, it's at the heart of our organizations. I think those are all like super good action steps. Got a lot of value out of that. Um, we're running to the, like the end of our time here. Uh, so unless if anyone has other final words, this hour flew by. It's <laughs> crazy. How do the shrubs look at near out your window, Warren? They, they finish <laughs> up. They look nice now. Or? <laughs> I'll have to go take a look. They are gone because it is quiet. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's all good. I, you know, honestly, this is the first time I've had somebody doing all that. I took care of my own landscape in my previous house, previous homes, and so um, it's the first time I've actually hired someone to do it, and it, it's kind of nice to be honest with you. <laughs> um, however, we support kinda, that. Well, well, no. And however, I kind of upset him last week because I actually went out and started screwing with the irrigation because I'm like, well, I'm, that's what I do. I, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'll don't worry about it. I'll fix it. I'll take care of the controller. In fact, he's not touching the controller. I'm doing that on my own. 
or the or the smart controllers doing most of it. But I'm keeping. Warren's one of those clients. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm one, of those, I'm one of those clients that you want to lock out of the irrigation controller and you want to make sure that they don't, you know, like, yeah. yeah. No, you, you make Warren happy and then all of a sudden that hunter hat shows up on the stoop and that, t- you know, like that's just like you got, you got to yeah. ask the things that, you know, so I don't no, know. But, you happy. But, yeah, that's but seriously like the- though, th- thank you guys for the opportunity today. This was really a lot of fun to have this discussion and I look forward to us having more discussions and seeing how I, you know, this could be a great topic for, for uh, a great session at landscapes in the future, you know, that, that, that this isn't going away. Like I said, at the beginning, it's, we're just kind of just starting on this journey for our industry, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you gave again. I I know we're going to our rose and thorn. I'm looking at you, Miles. But no the, worries. Uh, with, you you the, want you want to you want to start it off? You can. Uh, you can introduce it. I will, but I also appreciate Warren. You, I think you ex- in this conversation you expanded the perspective of sustainability, uh, and and then just again we all talked about the the small steps. And so, it uh, Hunter is a wonderful organization, a large organization that shows how they've taken the, those steps towards it. But to what Miles was talking about with that report, like this is, we all could walk away with that tomorrow and do something with it. So I, that really expanded that piece there. So, uh, all right, Miles, you, you better at the rules for Rosenthorn. You share those rules. Oh man. I, I, I thought I was going to delegate. Oh, I do this scriptless. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is all up in here, all up in the head. Um, so anyways, Warren, uh, you've, if you listen to some podcasts, you know, at the end we do Rosenthorn, what's going well, what's not going so well. And, uh, at this point, I've repeated this so many times that I feel like whoever's listening to this podcast week over the week, they're like, man, just get to the point already. But I don't know. Anyways, but so we just all go on, go on like what's going well in our lives and uh, what, what's bothering us a little bit. So who wants to kick us off? I'll, uh, I'll start. Um, uh, Rose, um, just a... Uh, it was a good week. We came off a of wonderful landscapes. I'll take that from every, you all probably want to use that one too, but really nice landscapes. Great to see a lot of industry people last week. That was a lot of fun. Uh, got some great education. I had some people on my team really love the format and the education. So that was a kudos to NALP and for us. I think that was a, just a nice break uh, in our normal uh, world of busy, busy. So um Thorn, no big thorns. You know, I, I, I don't like all this COVID news. Uh, I don't like that California went on New York's hit list for travel restrictions. I'm trying to get to, to, to California in January and they put it on like the no fly or no travel zone. So that's annoying. So I'll be uh, having a quarantine or something. Cause that was a ski trip and I'm, I'm skiing. So I want to <laughs> go on that trip. So, so there's this, that, this, you know, level of frustration of, Life just still came. My, my daughter shared with me, she's so bummed out that our neighborhood's not doing Halloween, uh, you know, in a standard way it does. And so she's like, this is just not fair. And so constantly working through that, uh, that whole world of just disruption. So, uh, and it seems to be amping up a little bit, at least here in the conversation in, in New York. Yeah, I'll yeah. go next to, oh, sorry, Luke, were you going to go? I was going to, but you can, you can go ahead. Oh, okay. Thank you. You're so gracious. We're all going to go, Miles. we've done we've done too many of these at this point i feel like anyways um rosenthorn uh so what's good well i got landscapes was good yeah i like the sessions that i went to um uh the session yeah they're they're good um the zoom of champions is actually really quite positive um had a 
there's a guy who had a question in there um, from Michigan who, uh, who was talking about transitioning his family business to his kids. And we weren't able to get to the topic, but I was like, oh, hey, we, had a, we just had a podcast about that when, I, when we had Richard on. So what I did is I shot him an email. I was like, hey, listen to this and uh, let me know if you have any thoughts. But I, I didn't know he was going to listen to it. But I got an email back and he, uh, he said that he really liked it a lot. And uh, he was going to send it to his, to his kids who, are, who want to be part of the business. So that was a really cool note um, that I got from somebody. Uh, and then also got another note uh, via the landscapes comments, messages saying like that they love the podcast and, um, and week over week. And I don't know, I just feel a lot of gratitude about that. Just having doing the podcast with you guys and the guests that we have on and the support we have from NALP doing this every week. Um, not too much on the thorn side. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't can't really complain about too much. Uh, I, I think the COVID pressure is starting to feel a little bit more real now. It's winter; you can't get outside. You know, it's as much, and so I feel that I feel that pressure. So I'm going out to Idaho in February for several weeks um, to go skiing at Grand Targhee in the Tetons. So, um, so hopefully in February, Idaho is not. <laughs> but yeah, social distance and work from home. <laughs> That's uh, so that that's that's a cool thing too. But yeah, that's it for me. I'll take next. Um, so uh, Rose, uh, I had a six-week follow-up uh, this past Monday with my surgeon, and I'm you know recovering really really well, and they're very pleased with the the recovery I've made so far, and uh, think that I'm going to be back to about 100% in the next six weeks or so, which is awesome. So uh, you know, feeling really really well. Um, Work-wise, things are going really good. Uh, we've got a lot of work to get done in a short amount of time. I mean, we got uh, uh, about six weeks left as well before we kind of wrap up for the season. So, um, you know, grateful for for all that. Uh, Thorn, I'm going to agree with you guys. I mean, the COVID talks and all that are uh, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a definite thorn, and um, I'm going to kind of combine that with I'm looking forward to next week Wednesday when all the political text messages phone calls and all that stuff are going to hopefully stop and be over with because I am uh, tired of the 23 to 30 text messages and phone calls I get from spammers or um, call centers for uh, vote for this person or vote for that person so you should move to dc where our vote doesn't count anyway so i mean <laughs> yeah. i don't get anything so i'm that's a it's a it's a thorn right now but next week it's going to be uh it's going to be one of my roses i think <laughs> well our longtime podcast listeners will remember that 12 weeks or so ago i was very excited for baseball to return and this week my dodgers won the world series so some redemption for my boy Clayton Kershaw here. Thank you. And uh, unfortunately, this brings me to my thorn. Many, many dark, cold weeks without baseball to come. So I don't know. Might have to watch some uh, Japan baseball league on uh, or Korean baseball league on on ESPN Ocho or something until that happens. But we'll get through one way or another. What about you, Warren? Well, um, we, uh, from, a, from a professional standpoint, I think about a rose, we are finishing out our workplace giving campaign where we, where we for 30 plus years have been working with United Way. 
and uh, our employees can pledge to give money throughout the year, either a one-time donation or throughout the coming year for 2021, where this is the campaign for next year that we, that we are wrapping up this week. And the company actually Hunter matches their donation uh, dollar for dollar, which is pretty cool. And I'm really appreciative of the fact that even as tough as a time it has been for a lot of people during this time, we're really close to hitting our goal and people have been extremely generous and it's really heartwarming and it gives me a lot of gratitude to be able to work for an organization with, with employees that, you know, are, are always trying to help other people too. Uh, so that's definitely a rose. Uh, Thorn, on a personal note, um, well, yeah, the COVID stuff, we won't talk about politics. Um, and, uh, but personally, la- I have, so we have three Australian shepherds. And a week ago today, I was out walking one of them and he's got some behavioral issues that I'm working on with a trainer. And Brett knows I'm a, I've been a runner, have not been running as much. Uh, and so we, we were walking down the street and there was another dog across the street with an owner and she was kind of running with her dog. And I knew that my dog was going to go crazy. So instead of just slowly walking across, I thought I would or continue past, I would run past. And so I got in and he got, he went in the sprint mode and I tripped on him and I went down and I, yeah, I, I made contact or you know, got really friendly with the concrete or the, the sidewalk and I have this big gash in my knee and I have, you can't really see, but I've got blisters here. And so I can't barely, I can't lift my arm up higher than here because I went down on my shoulder and I can't run. And I, can't, I haven't been out for a walk with him in like a week. And it's just, just, it's hurting me. I'm like, I want to just get out there and I'm just tired of feeling like I'm falling apart. But every day you get better and it's amazing to watch the body heal. And I know this time next week, I won't be complaining about this, but it is definitely bumming me out that I can't do anything right now. Heal so, well, Warren. Heal well. Thank you. thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Warren, for joining us on uh, Growing in the Green Industry. We really appreciate you having on. Um, and also, as I mentioned before, thank you to our listeners and uh, all your support. Definitely leave a review, um, rating, and share it with your coworkers, friends, family, and anyone who wants to hear our wonderful voices. Uh, tune in next Thursday for another great episode. Take care, everyone. Yeah. See you guys. Bye.